I want to welcome everybody that's online. Um, so I, I'm going to entitle this message, Tis the Season of Miracles. And, you know, everything about Christmas is miraculous. Can you testify to that? The whole story, the whole um, characters of the Virgin Mary and the angels and Joseph and being mute and not being able to speak and all the transactions that happened. It's a miraculous story. And so I thought it was fitting today, and I'll give you some um, details of why I'm going here and where I'm going to speak the next couple of times, once in December and once in January. Um, God recently challenged me. So how many of you have ever been challenged by God? Whether, right? And, and this was a challenge in the midst of my frustration. So if we were really to be honest this morning and talk about the last 18 months, hopefully we have some great nuggets of victories and truth and things that have transpi transpired in our life that's really changed us. But we would probably confess that there's been a lot of um, dark seasons, right? That we've gone through in the last 18 months. We've seen a lot of depression. We've seen a lot of death. We've seen a lot of sickness. We've seen a lot of crazy politics, right? That we never believed, that I never believed I'd see. And so being surrounded by that stuff, um, it, it wears on you sometimes. Can we be honest this morning? It does, in the natural and in the flesh. But as it was said this morning, and, and those of us that have walked long enough, hopefully, with God, and I'm, I'm on my 40th anniversary of following after Christ. Can anybody say amen? amen. Now, can I tell you what Brian said today? is the God's honest truth for my life. He's never, never let me down. Amen. And so one of the, the challenges that came to me pretty clear was that God let me know part of the key to us seeing the church rise up and be what it's supposed to be in this season. And that was to once again begin to believe and move into miracle signs and wonders. If you're sitting here today, and if you believe the book, the Bible, then you have to believe in the miraculous. It's just the truth, you guys. Or you should be at home right now in your pajamas and I don't know doing what. But we do believe in the miraculous. Can you help me preach just a little bit this morning? Amen. Do we not? Last I knew that we were a full gospel charismatic church, amen, believing in the gifts of the Spirit, believing in the power and the supernatural of the Holy Spirit. And so God began to challenge me and ask me personally, do I still believe in signs and wonders and miracles? And, you know, when God asks a question, it's always good to hopefully give him the right answer. Can anybody say amen? amen. And so... As I began to toil over this question, of course, and what I'm going to talk a little bit about today is that the only way that signs and wonders and miracles happen is through the power of the Holy Spirit and through faith. The end. Can anybody say amen? amen. The end. 
It doesn't happen any other way. You look at it, you research it, you dive into the New Testament, and you'll discover that the only time you see the supernatural workings is with the power of the Holy Spirit behind great men and women of God. Can anybody say amen? amen. And so if we're going to see it again the way God wants to bring it, it's not going to happen because we're smarter than anybody else. It's not even going to happen because I have a doctorate degree, which is a good thing. Can anybody say amen? But your doctorate degree doesn't produce miracles. Amen. Amen. Your intellect and your education is not enough to produce the supernatural moving of the Holy Spirit. You're not smart enough. You're not intelligent enough. But without God and without him empowering us in understanding the way he wants to move and the way he wants to accomplish his will, that it's through that vehicle that it has to come. Can anybody say amen? So today I want to talk about miracles, and I'm going to zero in on probably my second most favorite character in the New Testament. Paul's number one for me. I love Paul. Probably number two, and it's pretty close second, is Peter. And um, I love Peter because Peter really messed up a lot. Right? How many of you like characters that, that God allows to see their frailties and their weaknesses and their shortcomings, but, but, right? But God used them in a miraculous way. In matter of fact, used Peter to bring the first message in the day of Pentecost, what we'll talk about, which is miraculous for where he came from. It's nothing less than a miracle that God used Peter the way he did. And so I want to talk a little bit about his journey, and we'll do kind of like a cliff note. How many of you liked cliff notes when you were in high school and in college? Man, the night before, you didn't do the work, so what did you do? Now today, there's a lot of other resources, right? I get it. But back then, it was the cliff notes, the highlights, right, of, of different books and different things. And so I'm going to try to give you some of the cliff notes of Peter. First of all, so, and by the way, we're going to pray today, and we're going to believe for God to show up. Is that okay? We're going to believe that he can physically heal. We're going to believe that he can rearrange things, that he can touch our emotions, that he can touch financial situations that seem to be impossible. We have to believe as Christians, as, as full gospel believers, that God still can do this stuff. Because I'm just here to tell you something, that the church which we will discover was birthed, and it was all about the miraculous that the people saw with their own eyes. Amen? They saw it. It was out in front. It was up in their grill. And they, many of them, specifically the religious leaders, didn't like it, but they couldn't deny the miraculous. Yeah. 
So you can contend with a lot of things. But when somebody is lame that we're going to talk about for year after year after year after year, and within seconds is made whole, Amen. you got to stop and take notice. Yeah. And you have to say, maybe they have something that's worth listening to. Can anybody say amen? amen. And so let's go to John 14, and let's be challenged a little bit by Scripture. Scripture is supposed to encourage us, it's supposed to stretch us, and it's also supposed to challenge us. Amen? All right. So John 14, this whole chapter is good to read because it talks about the Holy Spirit a lot and it talks about the helper and the instructor and the spirit of truth. But 14, 12 through 14, it talks about the answered prayer. And it says this, this is Jesus speaking here in red. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who what? Believes in me, the works that I do, what will happen? We will do also, and what? Greater works than these will, will we do because I go to the Father. He's, he's alluding to the coming of the Holy Spirit. And whatever you ask in my name, I will do that. The Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So, doctrinally, let me challenge you. So, did Jesus move in the supernatural while he was here? Yes. Did he move in signs and wonders and miracles? Yes. He did. So, he now, he now takes it to the next step with his disciples and said, here's the giddy-up and here's the deal. What you have seen me doing, what you saw with your own eyes... You're going to also do, and not only will you do it, you'll do it to a greater degree, degree or measure, or level. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was hanging out with Jesus for the last three and a half years and seeing the things that he had done and accomplished that nobody else on planet Earth had ever done before, and now he says... This ball is going to be in your court, and you're going to carry on this ministry. That would be pretty intimidating, would it not? In the flesh. But he's letting them know that this is not going to stop. This is just the beginning. And by the way, the way it's going to happen is because he's going to go to the Father, and what's he going to do? He's going to send the Holy Spirit, right? And so he, he challenges them and he says, listen, there's going to be even greater works that you're going to do. So let's follow along a little bit with Peter and let's see if this actually happens. Let's see if Jesus, what he spoke, comes to pass. Amen? Amen. Now, we don't have time to go through, but, but basically, let me give you just, and, we'll, and we will back up as far as his life, but, but the first five chapters of Acts pretty much is all about Peter and John. These are the main characters that are highlighted. There are others in there, but those that have taken the forefront in the baton, it was Peter. John was by his side, but Peter was a spokesman. Even 
when they begin to go in the upper room, he's, he is organizing, he's facilitating, he is instructing. He's the one that says, we lost one of the 12, so we need to replace him. And so he teaches them how to do that. And he's kind of the leader of the pack right now. That's interesting if you think about where Peter came from. So let's back up just a little bit and then we'll go forward. So Peter was a fisherman. We all know that, right? Now, and I've said this before and I'll say it again. For me, in present day, our culture, I believe Peter physically, if I could bring him up here today, would be a very intimidating man. That's just what I think. I don't think his language was very good. <laughs> if they had tattoos back then, Peter was full of tattoos. And not just the little ones, right? The big, intimidating, ugly, possibly tattoos. He'd be the guy that had a cigarette hanging out of his mouth all the time. This is Peter. He was a rough fisherman. He wasn't refined. He wasn't a Bible scholar. He was by no means anybody that any of us would have ever picked to be a disciple. But Jesus says, I'm going to make you fisher of men. Come follow me. And something clicks inside of Peter and he, and he leaves everything and he begins to follow after Jesus. And we know his journey. And we, we see different pieces and parts. And I think there's a lot more in there than maybe some of us would even want to know about. But we, we see almost like a bipolar personality. Is that, is that fair to say with this guy? One minute he's saying the right thing. He's on top. He's answering the question right. And the next second, he's completely moving into the flesh and messing up. If you don't believe that, you remember when Jesus said, who do men say I am? Remember that? And Peter gets it right. You're the Messiah. You're the Christ. And Jesus applauds him and says, Peter, I knew I'm going to build my church. Rock, the one, the apostolic anointing. And the gates of hell will not prevail. And the disciples must have been a little annoyed that Peter got it right. And Jesus was patting him on the back. And one second later, Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Because you don't have the things of God. He messes up again. And so we see this, we see this guy that seemingly gets it right, gets it wrong, gets it right. You know the story, they're supposed to be praying, and Jesus comes back and says, my gosh, you can't tarry in prayer. Do you know that's my darkest hour? And he tells them what's going to happen, that I'm going to be crucified, and you're all going to abandon me and leave me and forsake me. And who says, out of all of them, who speaks up? Peter. Peter. And what does he say? Listen, Jesus. John's kind of soft. I know he's your favorite, but he's a softy. I'm not. They may all forsake you, but you know that I'm the tough one. 
I'm the faithful one. I'm the solid one. I'm the stone. I'm the rock. I will not forsake you. And what does Jesus say? After the roaster, rooster crows, how many times? You're going to deny me three times. And he denies it. And he says he won't. And what happens? He does. He fails miserably when the pressure is on. And his Savior, the one that he followed and gave his life to, he turns his back on him. And he denies that he ever even knew him. Tell me you can't get much lower than that. He's lower than low. He's failed miserably. We know the story. He fails so miserably, he goes back to his, own, his old profession. Remember that? He says, I don't know about you boys, but this thing didn't seem to work out. I'm going back fishing. And Jesus shows up on the beach. You remember? And he begins to make them a breakfast, and, and we know miracles happen as far as the fish, but the biggest miracle for me was this. He says, Peter, do you love me? Remember? Three times he asked him questions, and it was all concerning his love for Christ, and he challenges him, and Jesus restores Peter, right? The guy that failed miserably Jesus knew all along that he was going to fail, but he also knew that he really had the goods. And so he restores him, and he pours into him, and then we see for 40 days he hangs out before he ascends back into heaven, and he instructs them on the kingdom of God, and, and he instills in them, I'm sure, some of the stuff they're going to come against, but yet they didn't have a clue what it all would look like. Can we be, be real with that? And so... We see in Acts, now Peter is starting to lead this group. He's the leader of the 12. You can say whatever you want to, but he is the leader. He's beginning to lead. He's beginning to orchestrate. And so if we go to Acts chapter 1, let's just go through some of these and bring up some highlights. So... Jesus talks to them, and by the way, Acts 1.8 is notable. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Jesus begins to tell them that it's going to be all about the Holy Spirit coming upon them. And so we know the story. They're in the upper room. They're having the prayer service, right? And they're waiting and they're praying and believing, and they're in one accord, which is miraculous about this move, this Holy Spirit. They didn't completely understand, but Jesus told them to do it, so they did it. Amen? And so we pick up in, in chapter 2, and we see the Holy Spirit comes. And suddenly, the Bible says, there comes a sound like the rushing wind. And the Holy Spirit falls, and they speak with other tongues. But here's the interesting thing. Peter, in the middle of that chapter, 14 through almost the rest of the chapter, begins to preach the best sermon that we've ever heard. Can anybody say amen? amen. The guy that I would have thought a few chapters back and near the end that would not be the guy that would be in the forefront. Can we all say that? 
But here's Peter being anointed by the Holy Spirit. He begins to bring the fire of God like never before. And he begins to explain what has transpired and what's happening moving forward. He talks about your sons and your daughters will what? Prophesy and your old men will see dreams. And he begins to quote Old Testament scripture. He makes it rhema. He makes it now. He makes it alive. He makes it real. And so now the Holy Spirit is beginning to work in these 12 guys, but specifically he's working in Peter. And I just want you to see this because it's, I know sometimes we, we feel like these, these, these characters weren't real people. Listen, Peter was a real man with a lot of shortcomings. Amen. And you ask me why he's number two on my list is because I can relate to Peter because God has used me tremendously over my lifetime. And I am so thankful and honored that he's done that. But I'm most thankful for his patience, his grace, and his mercy with my shortcomings and my weaknesses. Can anybody say amen? So if any of you come to me today and tell me you're not qualified to do what God wants you to do, all you got to do is look at a man like Peter. You can't tell me that he was qualified to do what he was supposed to do in the flesh. He was not qualified. He was not the one that any of us probably would have ever picked. But yet God saw something in him. And he restores him and he brings him to this place. And all of a sudden, Peter is the guy out in the forefront beginning to preach on the day of Pentecost. Listen, you guys, do you understand the impact of this? He's the guy that births the church. So Jesus did get it right when he said, on this rock, Petros or Peter, the rock, I'm going to build my church. And we know that's much bigger than Peter. He's talking about something much larger. But I'm telling you, Jesus knew that he was going to be the guy that was going to be in the forefront in the day of Pentecost. And so there he is. He's given the sermon and people are pricked to the heart and the Holy Spirit begins to go like wildfire in that region. Amen. I mean, imagine that of all the people, Peter. So remember, I said, I wanted to focus on one man and I want to focus in on one specific miracle. In chapter three of Acts, you've all read it before, but it's still notable. We know that Peter and John were going up to the temple. Remember, let's go to, let's go to chapter three, one. Let's read it real quick. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb, that's a long time, is it not? Was carried and laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. He come to beg for money. Who seen Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And verse four says, and fixing his eyes on him with John and Peter said, look at us. Isn't that interesting? 
So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive from something from them. Do you really think that this guy had faith to be healed that day? No. I don't think so. He had faith to get a coin. He had faith to get some money. He didn't come to the gate of beautiful to receive a life-changing, life-altering miracle from God. But the Bible says, Peter said, silver and gold, I do not have. But, how many are thankful for the buts in the Bible? Amen. <laughs> but, what I do have, I what? I give you. Can I just give you a side note? You can't give something you don't have. Can I say that again? If you want to give joy, and I know it's the power of the Holy Spirit, but you have to experience joy to help give joy away. Amen. You want to give peace? You want the world to understand what it's like to have peace that passes understanding in the midst of trials and battles and hardships and corona and death and politics and, right? You want to give that away? Then you better carry it on the inside of you. And so Peter says, I don't have what you've come for, but I do have something greater than that. What I have is what God's given me, the miraculous power. And he said, greater works than the we're going to get to do. And so he looks at him. And he says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he grabs him by his hands. And a, a, a man from, from birth begins to dance and run and shout and sing and turn the city upside down. Let me tell you what. When you experience a God-given miracle, you don't really care what anybody thinks anymore. Can anybody say amen? The boy got a miracle. Something he didn't deserve. Something he didn't even ask for. But the creator of the universe that day, that time, chose to use a man like Peter and John to produce the supernatural miracle of God that changed him forever. But it didn't just change him. We're going to find out. It changed that whole city. It changed the religious community. It rocked them to the core. Because, see, here's the deal. You can debate me with philosophy. You can debate me even on doctrine. My kids are home from liberty, and it's getting fun. We're beginning to be able to talk doctrine and talk about this and Calvinism that she's experienced and different things that come up. And she's a debater, and that's good. It's healthy. But can I tell you something? You can't debate or deny the supernatural moving of the Holy Ghost. Can anybody say amen? amen. When a miracle's produced, a miracle's produced. The end. And so the miraculous hits this man, and we see that there's a stirring that begins to happen. And if you don't believe there's a stirring, then we're going we're gonna to move on to chapter 4. Because they arrested Peter and John. I don't know what grounds they arrested them on. 
It's against the law to, to heal the sick. Amen. So they get arrested in chapter 4. And Peter is addressing the Sanhedrin. He's addressing the religious community that have just been rocked by what he did. It didn't line up with their little religious doctrine. Can anybody say amen? But he did it anyways. And it's interesting if you read throughout this, how many times we have reference. And let me read this in chapter 4 of 8. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and people and elders of Israel. And he begins to tell them what happened. And then I love this. Verse 13. Now, now this is the Sanhedrin. This is the religious community. This is the Pharisees and them. They said, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were what? Uneducated. Untrained. Men. They marveled. And they realized they had been with Jesus. Can I tell you the greatest compliment you could ever, 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 ever get is when somebody accuses you of having the goods not because of your education and not because of your intellect and not because of your greatest oratorical speaker in the land, not because you're charismatic, not because you can move the masses with your words. Listen, Hitler could move the masses. You hear me? But the difference is when somebody says, we perceive they've been with Jesus. That's the difference in them. That's when we should get excited. Can anybody say amen? Accuse me of being the guy that spends too much time with Jesus. Because you see, when you spend time with Jesus, his attributes, his his character, his power begins to flow in you and through you. Can anybody say amen? amen? And so they had enough sense to realize that was a true correlation here, that these guys hung out with Jesus, and that's why they saw what they saw. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing. Isn't that interesting? Now watch this. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council... And they conferred among themselves, saying, this is their little conference, their little huddle. What shall we do with these men? For indeed, that a notable, did you hear that? A notable miracle has been done through them, and it's evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. Yeah. Oh, I get excited at that. Yeah. You can deny a lot of things. And even they had the common sense in their little holy huddle. What are we going to do? Because we don't want to do this. We want to shut them down. We want to stop it. It's messing up everything. But it's a notable miracle. And everybody in Jerusalem is a buzz, and they've heard about it. So how do we shut this thing down? Can anybody say amen? You can't shut it down. Not when the Holy Spirit begins to move in signs and wonders and miracles. Listen to me. Those that... Have the one person that always comes to, I always see her. Have any of you ever gone back and looked at any of Catherine Kuhlman's old videos and some of her healing crusades? Very dramatic. She just was. But some say that 
the miracles that would transpire in her services were undeniable. The masses at times would be healed. From this flamboyant woman, I love it. She built one of the greatest churches right in the middle of the Depression era. You tell me that's not miraculous. And by the way, back then, women didn't do that kind of stuff. Can anybody say amen? amen. That was a man's job. Sophie is, I've had her study into some of them, and it's interesting because Catherine Kuhlman said this, and I know you've heard me say this before, but she said this out of her own lips. She believed the call of God that she walked in was not made for her. But she said she didn't believe there was a man that was willing to pay the price. So God chose her. God chose Catherine Kuhlman because she was willing to pay the price. And she said there wasn't a man that was, had enough guts and had enough tenacity and obedience to walk in that anointing. And I love that she said that because basically she was saying, listen, men, all you that are critical of what I'm doing and the way I'm flowing, you can have it if you want it. Amen? I have three daughters. I believe women can do whatever God has called them to do. Can anybody say amen? You've heard me say it from this pulpit. You women should be dancing in the aisles. I've had about half of my prophetic ministry over my life that has changed my life has come from God-ordained, God-anointed women Amen. that have changed my life. So listen, I believe you can do whatever God's called you to do. Can anybody say amen? amen. So we see that it was a notable miracle, and I'm almost done. Give me five more minutes. If we go into chapter 4 even farther, I want you to see that he, they pray for boldness. And it's a couple quick things that are notable there. And then I'm going to end on probably the most supernatural thing that proves to you and to me of what Jesus said. We see this. There's numerous times that they pray for boldness and said, by stretching out your hand, heal and do signs and wonders through the name of Jesus. We see that 5,000 come to the faith. The church is multiplying. The church is growing. People are getting saved by the thousands. God is moving. Can anybody say amen? This is a pretty fun time to be alive. And then we move into chapter 5. It wasn't so fun for Ananias and Sapphira, right? They lied to the Holy... When's the last time that you're... Could you imagine if that spirit hit politics? That you died if you lied. I think our politics would get cleaned up really fast. I mean, if they just start dropping and somebody's smart enough to say, listen, they died because they lied. So it's time to tell the truth today. Maybe we should pray for that kind of anointing to hit. Amen. But if we move on into Acts 5, I, I just want you to see this and we'll end on this in one more scripture. It says, if we go to Acts 5, 12, and through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people, and they were all in one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. 
And the believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes, both men and women. Now watch this in 15. So that they were brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least, did you hear me? That at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on them. Also, a multitude gathered from the cities of Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented with unclean spirits. And the Bible says they were all healed. I want to ask you a question. Jesus did some phenomenal miracles. Do you ever see within Scripture of a time when people were getting healed from Jesus' shadow? It's not recorded at least. And I want to tell you something. If that isn't mind-boggling to you, I don't know what is. That's a greater to me. So Peter is just walking down the street and they're bringing the lame and the demonically oppressed and possessed into the streets and they're standing by and Peter is not even speaking, not even talking. He's just walking, Kurt, just walking in his shadow. And it may have not even been his whole shadow, just a tiny bit touches them and they're healed. And the demons are coming out of them. You don't tell me that's not greater works. This is the same guy that ran and said, I never knew Jesus and denied him three times. Now he's walking down a street and just the mere shadow is getting people healed. I don't ever even see that in scripture again. Now we know about handkerchiefs with Paul. That's another one. They pray for handkerchiefs and they touch people. That's another greater. I don't know of another time that was done. Why did you say all that, Jeff? I'm here to tell you that one, you know, my girls are into Maverick City and I like them. And there's that one song, Little Miracles, isn't it? I love that song. Because listen, a miracle's a miracle. I know we love, there's big miracles, there's small miracles. Jesus loves to do it all. Can anybody say amen? And I can tell you, I could test over 40 years of walking with Jesus. There has been so many miracles in my life that I probably don't even remember them all, which is sad. But he is a miraculous God. And as we submit to him and as we believe and as we trust, we have to, again, as a church, you guys, begin to believe in signs and wonders and miracles. We have to believe that he still heals the sick. We have to believe that he still delivers those that are oppressed. We have to believe it again. And we at least have to, when they come in this place, experience the supernatural. Can anybody say amen? amen. You want to know how a church grows? Moving miracles, signs, and wonders. And I'm telling you right now, we'll have enough. You won't be able to even begin to have enough room in this place. 1 Corinthians, by the way, talks about 12. The work in the miracles is a gift, and it's a ministry. Do you know that? That those are gifted 
Not even the fivefold ministry, not even the apostle or a prophet. There's those that are gifted with the gift of working of miracles. So we have to believe it. Can we have, can you come up and play? This is what I want to do. So close your eyes. I told Donna I'd be done at 1130 and I'm two minutes away. Do me a favor. I want you to close your eyes. And I'm not going to ask you what it is specifically. But this is what I asked God today when I prepared this message. I prayed that I wouldn't just preach about miracles, but we would see some today. I don't want to be a hypocrite and just talk about stuff and not see it. If I believe in this Bible, if I believe that Jesus said that greater works can be done, I have to believe today there's people in this place that are sick that can be healed. I have to believe that there are those that the enemy's been oppressing and winning in their lives in different areas that God wants to turn it around today. I have to believe that are those that are financially strapped, that are stressed, that God can turn it around today. So God, my prayer is today that you'd infuse your people with faith to believe once again that you are a God of miracles as we celebrate the Christmas season. If we believe in Christmas, we have to believe in miracles. If we've come in this place today to celebrate and we celebrate the true meaning of Christmas, then we would be hypocrites if we said we don't believe in true, authentic miracles. Salvation is a miracle. Speaking with tongues is a miracle. Being healed is a miracle. So, Father, right now, we look to you, the author and the finisher of our faith, the creator of the universe. You know exactly where we're at. You know exactly what we're going through. You said the signs and wonders and miracles would follow the preaching of your word. God, I'm not asking you to put a stamp of approval upon me this morning, but I'm asking you to put a stamp of approval upon your word and upon what the Holy Spirit has promised us. So we look to you today and we ask you to move supernaturally in our lives, in our region, in our area, in our church. If you are in need this morning of a miracle, I want you to raise your hands. Amen, amen, amen. There's a lot of people that need a miracle. Father, right now, I agree with them as if I was physically going to grab their hand. I come into agreement that the God of the universe, the miracle-working God, the God that through the shadow of Peter 
healed and delivered people. That same God that sent the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. We're believing that you would answer and that you'd produce a miracle in their life. God, so I right now, I speak the release of faith inside of them. I speak physical miracles. God, right now, I want you to join me quickly. God, we come against sickness and death. God, this has been 18 months of bad news at times. And we turn on the TV and we hear about the deaths and we read about the deaths. God, we push back in Jesus' name. Sickness and COVID and whatever else might attack and might hit your people. We stand upon the word of God that by your stripes we're healed. And we pray that we begin to have faith to lay hands upon the sick and they shall recover. But by might, not by power, but by your spirit. So God, we speak healing over people's lives. God, we speak emotional restoration. God, for marriages that are falling apart today, maybe even online. It seems like there's no hope. God, I command and I demand, Father God, wives and husbands to get back to loving Christ and to loving each other. I break the power of the enemy from destroying families and marriages. We speak in this season of of Christmas and miracles that you would restore marriages like never before. We break the power of divorce and separation that has even invaded the church. God, we speak your miraculous move there for finances, for those that are barely getting by, for those that are afraid of things being shut off. God, you're Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides. We speak your provisions to come miraculously during this season. God, open up doors of opportunities. Make a way where there seems to be no way. God, I infuse them. As Paul said, I desire to come that I might impart, that I might impart. Father, I pray that I'd impart inside of them and infuse in them to trust in you and to believe you for miracles. God, intervene. Make a way. Open the word of God to people like never before. God, we pray in this hour that you would do a work. So every person that raised their hands and every person that half raised their hands, I'm asking you, God, that we would hear testimonies of what God did, of how God came through, of how God moved miraculous, how there was no way this ever could happen, but yet God made a way, how this door was closed and it suddenly opened up, how the doctor said this was bad and this was never going to go away, and then I went back and it was gone. God, we trust in you, the living God, the Savior of the universe, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Stand up for just the last two minutes. I want you to do something with me. I want you to raise your hands and I want you to thank God. In this season of, come on, in this season that's been difficult, God, we as a family of God, we raise our hands and we thank you. So we say that you've been good to us all the days of our lives. 
God, we thank you for what you're going to do in the future. We thank you the signs and wonders and miracles are coming back to the church once again. We thank you for joy unspeakable and new every morning. Come on, sing. Some of you need to sing a new song. You need to pray in tongues if you want to pray in tongues. I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it's a power and a salvation for all those who believe. God save and heal and deliver in this hour. Release your miraculous move like never before. God, we look to you, the creator of the universe, for where does our help come from? Our help comes from the Lord. And I pray in this season of of Christmas that we do this in our private closet. We'd come in and we'd raise our hands when we don't feel like it and we begin to worship you and we begin to thank you. We begin to walk in our spiritual closet and we begin to preach ourselves happy again and we begin to contend and fight for what is ours and we begin to speak the word of the Lord over our lives and our loved ones and over our regions and over our jobs and over our churches that we begin to prophesy like never before we begin to proclaim and decree and declare the will and the counsel and the truth and the plan of God that it shall come to pass will not give in to negativity will not speak the falseness will not speak death will not speak doubt but God let there come a new voice inside of us not a voice that's fake not a voice that's manufactured but a voice that comes deep within the inside of us that faith would begin to arise once again where hope would begin to come inside of you i break in jesus name depression and despair and despondency and we stir up the gifts that are on the inside of you and we stir up hope and we stir up love and we stir up joy and we stir up healing father god This is a day that the Lord has made. We'll choose to rejoice and to be glad in it. Father, we seal all that you've done and said. And everybody said, amen Amen and amen. I love you and God bless you. Have a great holiday season. Amen.